2: Teeny, tiny woman.
1: Teeny little woman. We were just
2: talking about how Renee... <laughs> one, we don't know what she actually looks like. We'll never know. She's been
1: a, hiding her identity, which is very smart of her. She's... the
2: years. We've said it before, but I'm just... I continue <laughs> to think that her Instagram is actually Web3.
1: It is. She's on the forefront... <laughs> she is. ...of whatever the future is. <laughs> Renee is in it.
2: And her captions are just automatic writing. Like, she's actually a true artist. She just doesn't spell check, doesn't even punctuate. She just puts her thoughts down. It's stream of consciousness. And she's actually, people have been like, why are you misspelling everything? She was like, I
1: put
0: it
2: all down.
1: Gotta put it all on the page. She's a fucking artist way. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, Julia Cameron's like, just the most important (laughs) thing isn't getting it done, it's getting it down. And Renee read that and was like, what if
2: Renee (laughs) does a late in life, a later in life, she's not late yet, but a later in life comedy, like she becomes a comedian or or an actress, a dramatic, like she. I she want her should. to go to like Lee Strasberg.
1: She should. I mean, she has so much emotion. She should have been an actress. She should have. She it's not so, too late, honestly.
2: Like she could have been like a, like a gritty Italian American actress, like on The Sopranos, mm-hmm. back in her true heyday.
1: I could see a world in which Renee gets Soba and becomes an actor.
2: But I want her to be like in a Barry style show where she's like in an acting class with like younger nightmare people and she's like actually the most talented one.
1: Well, she would be incredible because she could she has so much emotion to channel and access as we know. She's good at like projecting whatever onto whatever character so she could like do a lot of good character work.
2: Prop acting. Just,
1: uh, prop acting. She's Prop acting. All you, all she really needs is a kitchen island. She, she should she, teach kitchen island acting. And
2: she's good at spatial work. Mm-hmm. Like she can take, she can use whatever's around her to like emphasize her point. And she has rage, which I think all actors need to have rage.
1: Totes. Right? Yeah.
2: I think you need to have like a burning
1: pocket of anger. We need, Mob Wives should be made into a movie. Yeah. Like, big Angie's life should be made into a movie.
2: Speaking of something that needs to be made into, that will probably be made into a TV show, oh I gosh. need to talk about... Oh my God, we have to get
1: into this. Yeah, we the, have to, like, talk about it. The Vanity Fair? Oh, yeah. Okay, so...
2: <laughs> thank God the God, the long-read media God, has blessed us with yet another scandalous white woman grifter story. So... They were like, they were in need the of something. The dial was
1: like turned down. They were like, it's been like a real plateau. Or like a we had some peaks, but we're in a valley. Like mm. quick, give them something.
2: And then that writer who wrote it was Eugenia like. Eugenia Peretz. She was like, just you wait. She's been working on it for years, I think.
1: Didn't she, did she do a piece on Lindsay?
2: Yeah, I think she's famous. She like did a, a
1: piece on Lindsay that Lindsay did not like.
2: Lindsay Lohan. So basically this Vanity Fair two-parter. Came out about this writer for fucking Grey's Anatomy, who is a not only a writer, but like a, a producer.
1: Elizabeth Finch.
2: Elizabeth R. Finch from Finchy. Cherry Hill, New Jersey.
1: I know. She's giving Jersey girls a bad name. She's selling the reputation of Jersey girls everywhere.
2: Yeah. Just when I was one of the people, you know, we had Kellyanne Conway, which was a, a low point, And then me and.
1: But also Iconique.
2: Iconique. We've had some bad South Jersey's had some bad raps lately. Recently, Who so else? Jill Biden. <laughs> no, she's a cool. <laughs> she's Jersey girl. She's a Jersey girl. Yeah, she's cool. She's a good Jersey Hashtag girl. Hashtag
1: not my Jersey girl.
2: She's a good Philly Jersey girl.
1: Okay, yeah. She, I mean, she. I see it.
2: She was like a. She was like a like blueberry farm girl, which I'm into. Okay, but. Miss Finch came around and said, not so fast. And she <laughs> darkened the doorways and sullied South Jersey once again. So it's this writer, Elizabeth Finch, who's been... She was a writer on True Blood. She was a writer on Vampire Diaries. And then she became one of the like top writers on Grey's Anatomy, which is like a fucking machine. And clearly making probably millions of dollars. Like, so much money. She's like well She's off. She's got money. And she a kind successful of, TV writer. Yeah. So it kind of went in on her journey. She's like a cancer survivor. And then she was also enduring another round of cancer. She suffered incestual sexual abuse by her brother. She. This is all according to according her. According to her.
1: She got this job on the show. Did she get the job because she had cancer? Or did she get the job then come out as having cancer?
2: She applied for the job and the showrunner didn't hire her and then she wrote some piece about like her cancer she and then... would,
1: yeah was also a frequent essayist and like contributor to l magazine or like l.com like so would all and and the hollywood reporter and like big websites where she would publish like these personal very like vulnerable personal essays about her struggle with cancer Just like her having struggle to get in general. an abortion while she had was undergoing chemo like deep trauma she was like a trauma mine and but she, then
2: and then miss rhymes saw the article and was like you need to hire this woman
1: yeah so then she created. She created a lot of characters on Grey's Anatomy or storylines that coincided with her own life experience and, like, things that she had allegedly gone through, according to her.
2: And, like, her episode, this one episode that Debbie Allen directed, like, won some all these awards and, like, she...
1: She would get trotted out to do press for all the episodes where she'd, like, talk about, like,
2: Hashtag my body.
1: Surviving sexual assault and cancer, like, and do a lot of press to like right. boost
2: boost to
1: boost the episode. Shondaland,
2: she was one of Shondaland's brightest stars. She also, like, apparently, according to this article, in the room, the other writers were like kind of reverent of her. Like she was this sort of like if if I if she can do it, I can do it. Like if she she's no matter how tired or burned out, they felt like Elizabeth being in the room and enduring all she's enduring and still showing up every day. They were like, well, I can't complain. And she would sort of hold the room hostage. And anytime someone would mention something traumatic, she would like wince or run out of the room crying. And she would just go on these long tirades about the deep trauma. Because I guess Grey's Anatomy is like, they just sit around and like <laughs> unload their traumas on each other and use it for storylines.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, what else are you going to do? If you're 20 seasons in. You got yeah. to get all the trauma you possibly can.
2: And she hit all the marks, but she would like.
1: Well, she. Okay. So she said that she had a rare bone, a very cancer. rare bone cancer and was like undergoing chemo, would show up in the room with like a headscarf and like a bandage over her chemo port and like would make this big deal about like being like I'm so sick but like I will be here and then like soft kind of pitching and like an idea for creating a character based on her experience but then being like but I don't know like maybe I shouldn't and then someone would be like well you can she'd be like okay I will and like her whole persona was like brave survivor and then she also this was the craziest thing to me is that well actually there were like a million <laughs> crazy they just got crazier and crazier but one of the most psychotic lies that she made up was when the pittsburgh synagogue shooting happened she claimed she literally told her co-workers She said that she went to the Pittsburgh synagogue because her friend was in the shooting and she cleaned up bits and pieces of his body off of the floor of the synagogue because that was part of the Jewish tradition.
2: She said that the FBI made like a rare exemption for her for religious reasons to allow her to clean up her friend's corpse, which is like the FBI doesn't let anyone touch, especially in like a massacre scene and so she somehow like convinced the fbi so that also she had to go to like a rehab for her trauma from cleaning her friend up
1: oh yeah okay so she got time off work so she not only was she hashtag grave survivor but she was also just like taking off work all the time and especially around like deadlines for her scripts she'd be her like cancer trauma or her shooting trauma would flare up and she'd simply have to be gone or if someone else would have to, like, fill in for her.
2: Which I really love that the writer made sure to mention, like, in a writer's room, like, there's maybe nothing more annoying than, like, like, that is so annoying that, like, you, this person pitches, like, their episode. They're like, oh, I can't do it. You have to do it for me.
1: She is, like, some of the worst qualities of a person that you would be in, like, a writer's room with. Like, hogging the space, A being just like a trauma suck and talking endlessly about her own journey but then also like if you're talking you have to be extra careful because like it mentioned that if someone said like a very common phrase like oh we shot down that storyline She'd wince, like, because her tra—her synagogue trauma was flared up. And so you are constantly walking on eggshells and, like, hoping that you don't traumatize this, like, walking ball of terror. And, like, and then also have to be, like, insanely respectful of her. But then also you're, like, you probably feel guilty because you don't like her because she sucks the energy out of every space she's in. But then you're like, well, she is dying of this rare bone cancer, so I guess I have to be, like, accepting or nice of her. So then you feel like a piece of shit. So it's true emotional terrorism on every single possible level.
2: Yeah, she's, like, firing. It's like, yeah, you can't, like, no one likes the person in the writer's room who's just, like, dominating the combo and just always talking. But, like, with her, she was impervious to any kind of, you can criticism and not. She's the o- cancer card she was the cancer card the incestual abuse card Oof. the mass shooting card and
1: any card she had, had it in a <laughs> <her> deck
2: <laughs> not only is she like sucking the fucking life force out of the room she's not even finishing her episodes which is like deeply annoying
1: yeah creating all the work <laughs> and then so dipping <laughs> as soon as it's time for her to deliver, then classic. You, then you're now on the hook. <laughs> then you have to take no, on. You have to do it, and then her if you're mad at her, then you no. feel like a fucking asshole because she's like dying of cancer and had to like clean up her friend's brain. <laughs> so you're like, oh, I'm such a piece of shit, and then you have to do this, and then you realize later that it's all a lie. It's an entire lie, and not only is she
2: not doing any of the work she's getting all the press and all the glory and being touted out to like thr and round tables and it's like god damn it and like taking photos with shonda did you see those oh I saw them oh, she... photo shoot <laughs> but she okay so that's happening and then she meets a woman she goes to a rehab in arizona aka she doesn't want to finish her episode so she she heads off to arizona with all the money she's Poor raking in.
1: Well, do you think that the studio paid for it? Cause doesn't probably or like healthcare yeah. or like writers go Yeah. Like I'm sure you can get like a pretty swank like Yeah. Yeah. She showed up to this <laughs> treatment center
2: under a pseudonym. I think Shonda was like all in on her.
1: Well, yeah. I mean which if, I get that's also the jackpot. Like if you're if you're in Shonda's position or you're like high up. And then you're doing this show, it's very successful, and you really need writers with like a lot of experience. And then you have you find this woman that's like an incredible inspiration, but like so ties in with like the brand message of the show. You're like, I will do anything for her. Yeah. And I'm sure that Shonda's like not like clued into just like the day to day shenanigans of this lady. So she's just like, she's great, like, keep her on, and then everyone else around her has to suffer. No, and
2: I don't blame, like, Shonda's just... Shawna's got a Shonda.
1: She's got to do. She's got a lot on her plate. She's got
2: a lot of her place. She not She can't w- worry about the going. The daily goings on of Miss <laughs> <Ms>. Finch, <laughs> <laughs> Old anyway,
1: Finchy. So she
2: checks into a rehab under the pseudonym of the character that she wrote in her episode, which is fucking crazy. Who's this woman who has like every kind of cancer and is a successful doctor? And all her characters were like sassy girl boss women who would outsmart the doctors, and like the doctors would all be like dumb men being like. Well you see young here young miss and she'd be like well it's actually a prolabolite on the <laughs> on the bone marrow dna on the sub marrow and the doctor would be like how do you know that so she she moves into this rehab and while she's there she meets a woman who's like dealing with literal trauma she's a, a mom of like five kids her husband was abusive of her he, like, was violent and emotionally abusive and, like, gaslit her. She had, like, a psychotic break. She left her kids in the car and then they, like, wandered away and then she, like, ran into a field and then came back and was like, oh, shit, what did I do? And the kids were gone and then Dyphus came in. So she's yeah. she's got a lot going on, too. Yeah. And she lives in, like, Nebraska or Omaha, I think. Kansas. Or Kansas, sorry. Topeka. Ooh. So she checks into rehab. Her kids are taken away from her. Her husband's a piece of shit. She meets Elizabeth and then they, like, sort of
1: They become... Inseparable. Yeah, like really good friends. Elizabeth kind of becomes her like main emotional support system. And finally, this woman... Is her name Kelly?
2: Her name is...
1: Jennifer. Okay, so Jennifer, she meets Ms. Finch and finally kind of starts coming out of her shell. People feel like she's healing. They have this like rehab counselor named carly that is very much like kind of monitoring both of their progress and they convince her to like be roommates at the facility and then elizabeth starts her like traumas that she's allegedly suffering at the hands of her brother start mirroring all of jennifer's traumas that she's actually suffering at the hands of her abusive husband brendan
2: and like they have like a family weekend where they do a family therapy group session which happens in rehab and miss finch's parents come from cherry hill and she's talking to them about all the times their son and her brother has sexually assaulted her and they are just completely bewildered and shocked and like had no idea this was happening, and they're, they're taking her word for it, and they're like, I'm so sorry, we are, and Jennifer, I think kind of almost, I think there was a part of her that like, saw that and was like, well, that's weird.
1: Well, also, Elizabeth was there under the pseudonym Joe, and yeah. represented herself to Jennifer as Joe, until the time when her parents came, and then she was like, so my name is actually like, not Joe, but I'm, like, here under a pseudonym because I'm, like, a famous TV writer. And, like, my parents might call me a different name or maybe she made her parents call it. it was really unclear, but I'm, like, that's strike fucking one. Like, and... That's
2: strike one, two, and three in my
1: book. Yeah. Like, what I will say also about this is I do think Jennifer was preyed upon because she was very vulnerable, clearly. But at the same time, like, girl... But she did get her shit together. But I'm also like, if someone has a fake name and then reveals yeah. that, like, you need to run in the opposite direction.
2: So long story short, they become lovers and they get married. And Elizabeth becomes like a stepmom to her kids and like all of Jennifer's friends and her world. And they are so glamored by Elizabeth. She's this big Hollywood writer she's sort of touts herself as this famous person in hollywood Mm -hmm. and she's in topeka where like they people might not have a connection to hollywood so they're taking her word for it so everyone in jennifer's
1: glamoring all of topeka she
2: is and everyone in jennifer's life is obsessed with her and they're like thank god she came in and saved jennifer slowly over the years and as covid begins she is sort of elizabeth is halfway between la and kansas the gray's anatomy writers were all constantly worried that elizabeth was going to die because of her immunocompromised everything during covid so everyone was worried
1: everyone in her life was worried shonda
2: offered to give her like a hotel room to like be away from jennifer and her kids jennifer's one of her kids got covid and the only thing he could think about while he had covid was i don't know i don't want to kill elizabeth so he was feeling guilty for having covid like Just the worst, most insufferable motherfucker you can imagine, truly. So anyway, Jennifer gets wise to her eventually and confronts her.
1: Well, the craziest thing to me is, like, Jennifer starts to get a hunch that, like, things aren't adding up because she was a nurse, like, a really good nurse before she met Elizabeth. And so she started to, like, notice things like the chemo port bandage she was wearing was really dirty. And, like... She had lost her hair allegedly from chemo, but still kept her eyebrows and eyelashes. And like, she was just like, something ain't right. So she literally went on Elizabeth's Facebook. It all comes back to Facebook and started scrolling down. And she was like, I wonder like when she was in Pittsburgh, like cleaning up this friend, like what was that like? Like, where was she during this time? And she scrolls back and she was like still had photo like she was clearly never there had photos of her like out and about with friends like on those very dates. So I was flabbergasted at that because I'm like that's basic line 101 is cover your tracks and the fact that she didn't is like crazy
2: well that's also like when you when you hear about like serial killers just getting so bold and sloppy it's because they think that they're the smartest people in the world and like they can do anything so elizabeth probably was like she probably wasn't even thinking about that because she's like i'm my lies and what i say is so sound to these people they'll, that they'll never question them. it so then jennifer goes with elizabeth to a doctor appointment because elizabeth is complaining about some oh ailment. this was the tip-off this, this was, was the, the
1: tip-off and this is Bone chilling.
2: She goes to the doctor and the doctor is like asking Elizabeth all these questions about her health. And Jennifer suddenly Elizabeth who's like Miss Cancer and like constantly talking about her like everything is wrong with her suddenly goes quiet and isn't answering or very cagey about everything she's and Elizabeth or Jennifer's kind of like bitch tell him about your fucking
1: your bone cancer and the fact that she had had to have a kidney transplant and like
2: via anna paquin vaguely
1: thanked anna paquin somehow or like implied that anna paquin was somehow responsible for her getting this like life-saving kidney transplant and she only had one kidney and like Jennifer is like, telling the doctor this, being like, oh, well, she has, like, this rare bone cancer and she also has, like, one kidney. And then the doctor's like, okay, well, we're going to do a CT scan and, like, see what's up and then we'll, like, reassess. And then he comes back (laughs) after the CT scan and is just, like, looking at Jennifer and kind of reading the results and he goes, her kidneys are fine. And then Jennifer was like, wait what the fuck? So then she started, she pulled the string and then it all unraveled from there.
2: He also, I think, because doctors are good, I think as I've, the more I've read about the big M, Munchausen, (laughs) doctors know, they have like, an alarm goes off when they can tell a patient is like probably exaggerating or embellishing illnesses. And he said to her like, well, let's put you in the truth machine. So he like kind of had he immediately had Elizabeth's number and Elizabeth and afterward, Elizabeth was like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like he's a, he's trying to undermine me. He's sexist. And Jennifer was like, okay, you're fucking lying.
1: So then she basically, she told Elizabeth, like, you have to tell everyone the truth. Like one by one, you need to tell them, like, I can't be with you if you continue to lie. So I guess she told like her family, the truth. She told, like she made her tell the kids. She kind of told everyone except for her coworkers. Oh, and she had also, so Jennifer's ex husband killed himself, and Elizabeth helped her like clean up the house afterwards and like get all the shit, get all her shit together. But then around that time in the writer's room, she told everyone in the writer's room that her brother had just committed suicide and she had to like leave and deal with his problem. So like everything that Jennifer went through, Elizabeth was then going back to the writer's room and being like, this horrible thing happened to me and like I must once again leave work.
2: She said that her brother, she had to go to the Philippines or she had to go to Hawaii to hand off her brother's adopted Filipino baby her deceased brothers and like she she wrote this long email to her coworkers. sorry i feel like people are like probably no yeah it's whiplash. just a lot of like recapping but, but but the 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 email she wrote to her co-workers being like i have to go take care of this my brother who you all know sexually molested me i am having to deal with his family in the fallout of his suicide but i'll be back soon love you Finchie. and so jennifer's suddenly like what her brother, meanwhile, is alive. He's an attorney and, or a doctor in Florida and is, like, fully alive and didn't molest her.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
2: Laura, what's the first thing you'd do if you had a little more time in the day?
1: Mm, I'd probably just spend even more time with Tony than I already do.
2: That's the best answer you could get.
1: I spend most of my life wishing that Tony and I had more time together on this planet.
2: It's scary to think about mortality and time passing. I
1: do a lot of that. Don't we know it? But you know what can help when it comes to obsessive, intrusive thoughts about the passage of time and mortality and the fact that all of our dogs will die someday? What? Therapy.
2: Oh, I've been in therapy since my mid-20s and it's
1: yeah it's like very unclear she now to this day i guess maintains that everything was a lie except for that which is like no i mean no one can trust a single word that comes out of your mouth but eventually jennifer and elizabeth divorced and then elizabeth i guess was like making it seem like she might try and Because she now has custody of Jennifer's kids or like partial custody and then made it seem like, oh, I'm going to like come after your mental health and imply that you're not well enough to like be a mom and take your kids. So then Jennifer writes this email to like Shonda and like Grey's Anatomy producers being like she is a liar and like everything she says is false And then they were like, this is some crazy lesbian drama that we want no (laughs) part of, and we're going to ignore this. And then it got too big for them to ignore. Then it came out in, like, March. I remember it coming out and reading about it on the Daily Mail and being like, hmm. But I guess, like, Elizabeth's now on just a leave of absence. What's crazy is Disney, ABC, like, isn't investigating her at all, but I think that's because she took a leave of absence, But all along the way, she apparently was like, would drop little hints that she was a total liar. Like she would reference poems alluding to being a liar, like song lyrics about it or like laugh. Evan Hansen. Yeah. And so I think part of it was like just dropping hints, almost like wanting to be caught. But then whenever she was caught, according to Jennifer, and she would have to, like, own up to the fact that she lied about literally every element of her life, she showed kind of no remorse and then would get, like, defensive or, like, huffy about it.
2: She also, apparently in the writer's room, when she would talk about her trauma, she would start laughing, like, wildly and awkwardly and, like... All the writers were, conf- and she would just be like, she would be saying, or, or people would be talking about trauma, and she would just start laughing.
1: I just can't imagine anything worse than having to work with a person like this.
2: No, and and Jennifer, you know, she's, I mean, she, God bless her, she went through a lot, but she, she also was kind of annoying. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, honey,
1: <laughs> she needed to get her shit together. She to get her it shit. was not the time.
2: For, her to for get a
1: relationship.
2: No, this poor woman, and then she also like. But
1: she... also, that's like exactly the perfect time that some sort of like Svengali like character can come in and take over your life is when you're at your weakest and most vulnerable. A
2: snake oil salesman comes
1: in and just like glamors this poor woman,
2: and she also like Jennifer tried to like take her life one night when all this shit was going down in a hotel in Tobika, and then Elizabeth would like post on Instagram like hashtag the hotel name and be like it almost happened like she was taunting her about her suicide attempt
1: oh my god yeah i didn't even catch that she's a truly
2: evil person evil
1: something's gravely wrong
2: the thing that freaked me out the most was that jennifer would tell her friends and her family in topeka and they were all like we like her yeah she was a celeb to them
1: classic topeka
2: so jennifer jennifer would be like (laughs) this person that I've been sharing my life with is a complete pathological liar and a Munchausen and a psychopath and she's destroying my life and lying to all of us and they were all kind of like well she's been good for you so Jennifer was being truly gaslit by everyone in her life and her kids were also like some of them were beginning to side with Elizabeth.
1: Yeah, it was just, it's really messy and it's still ongoing. Like they're in the middle of a quote unquote acrimonious divorce.
2: And Jennifer hired the attorney who defended, like,
1: Elizabeth did.
2: Like all these major controversial figures.
1: People you wouldn't, Prince Andrew was one of the, I mean, people you don't want to be associated with.
2: But I mean, this is, I want a live.
1: I mean, the great thing for Grey's Anatomy is now they have a whole new storyline that they can explore. Like, they, yeah, like this is great for the show. But I feel, I feel really badly for Jennifer. Of course, because like, what the, what the fuck? And her kids. Yeah, I feel especially bad for those kids. Yeah. Secondary, I feel so bad for the writers that had to Me work too. with this woman. I like, no, it's they're working 10 hours a day with this lady. I don't know how they do it. They deserve they deserve network money for having to put up with that. They deserve, honestly, bonuses.
2: This is why we have the writer's guild (laughs) just to like prop these people up and protect them. Because this is a true worst case scenario. Coworker, any kind of coworker. What
1: happens when you have a coworker like that? Because if you get fired, if you get hired on a TV job and then you're like not delivering and you get fired, you still get paid for the entire time that you were supposed to be working. So if you're making like five grand a week and you work one week and then your boss or showrunner comes to you and says like, sorry, you're fired. You still, if you're working for 12 weeks, you're going to make that the rest of the money, regardless of whether you work or not. She
2: was a producer, so she was making...
1: She's making like twenty grand a week or something, yeah. probably more.
2: You know, because no one in a writer's room, like, just in my limited, exp- you know, i've I've been in a few, and like, you don't want to ever like ruffle feathers if you don't have to. So, like,
1: your kind of goal is to like just try to be like, you just align with your fellow shit talkers, yeah, and then you like just are constantly messaging each other, being like, "This fucking bitch."
2: It's when when you find the one or two other people that are on the same page as you. It's like truly
1: family orgasmic yeah just
2: like oh thank god you know and it's like you and then you all just slowly
1: you have a really good group chat where you just roast the fuck out of this person but probably you know what's really sad is probably not a lot of people were roasting because they were so they They literally believed her and like people that's the thing too is like people were crying with her and like emoting with her and experiencing her grief and loss alongside her it's terrible and what i don't understand is the psychology of a grifter of this ilk who desires pity like mass pity and to be viewed as like weak but strong like that just wouldn't be my approach if i were gonna like scam people like i would always want them to think like i'm way better or more successful than i actually am
2: well if you i mean i'm just speculating but if you pulverize people with i mean what she was doing was pulverizing these people like they she rendered them almost like immobile to do anything other than just like swear their allegiance to her purely out of just grief and i think that often is even more of a powerful means of wielding power than like strongholding. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's more insidious and it's more long-term and slow burn and it's like she was brainwashing them basically. Like they were all sort of, it sounds like like they were all sort of held captive by her. And the most chilling thing was at the she's end this
1: literally like Marlon Brando. She was. I <laughs> love Dr. Moran. Or like
2: Apocalypse now.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, she's Colonel... Apocalypse now vibes.
2: Colonel Kurt. But at the very end this one writer like all anonymous obviously said to the writer like they said to the author of the article like i have dreams about her about like her behavior and then she they said that they've like tried to uh, speculate on like what could have possessed her or like does she have any kind of remorse for her actions but at the end at the end of the day they feel like she's a shell like she's not a person which is so chilling like she's just truly this vessel of like grief-eating but a there's grief like eater.
1: what is actually going on
2: psychopath these people are i think it's yeah i don't know readers who are good at psychology let us know but like i i feel like that's an evil thing to be appropriate to be appropriating someone's grief is like truly it's sick but it's also like cruel yeah and then making it's money so, off
1: it—it's just so far out of my own personal wheelhouse. Like, really, I, can't, I thought you were. <laughs> well, I can't even like conceive of going down that road, and like what it takes, and like what how you, what kind of composition, what you're made of to then do that. Like, I kind of under, I understand like a lot of other scammer... Like, I understand like an Elizabeth Holmes. Like the where the who what where when why kind of of that but this is just like my god
2: yeah and the worst part is she was rolling in dough because of it
1: yeah she monetized
2: she monetized this woman who didn't have a lot of money her legitimate pain a woman who had a bunch of kids didn't have the money had an abusive partner and like you know was left penniless by him when he killed himself. You know what I mean? Like she was
1: What's the end game though? Cuz it feels like she wanted to get caught. If you are making up a lie that's as shocking as the Pittsburgh shooting then and you're simultaneously just leaving the actual evidence. Like anyone that knew you, any of your coworkers, like you could be friends with a coworker on Facebook and they could just go be like, I wonder like mm, and find that. Yeah. So I mean, it's like, what is what are you trying to do here? What's the end game?
2: I think it's I don't think it's I don't think there is an end game. I don't think that they someone like that sees the long term like it's all the the next best thing. It's like the, it's like an addiction, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like when you're an ad like when I you know, when you're an addict, you're not thinking about tomorrow you're thinking about right now all the time yeah so it's like what can i say right now that'll get that immediate fix for me Mm -hmm. she's not thinking about like a long she's thinking about the next best thing like she's an addict basically she's she's addicted to lying i mean it's like that guy from that show who said he was in
1: Mm 9-11
2: like you know and then and then people were like no you weren't
1: and he's like "Mm -hmm." and
2: he's like okay but it's it's like they don't i don't think when you're that crazy and narcissistic, you don't think you could get caught. Mm -hmm. And then I don't think it's like a guilt thing, but I think you're almost like taunting people by cluing, like dropping hints. It's like, it's a game for you. Can Can I get away with this? It's really fucked up.
1: What happened to this person to make them go down this road? Now I'm like, now I want you to write something about like the why of it all. You know what I mean? Like, or I want, I want, part three why is it only two parts i literally thought i was like vanity fair you're thirsty for a click and i'll give it to you i will clear my cache though and start right over because i'm not subscribing but like give me part three four five like you need to know i need way more info i
2: mean i'll I'll say this really quick and then we'll get into our girls but (laughs) i i knew someone when i first got into recovery that
1: Oh, yeah. You've shared. Oh, I've
2: shared that, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is that is reminds me of I kept th- I was thinking about him just now, like about the idea of like the pity and the like the sort of like cinema of what he was telling us he was going through. And like, that's kind of the same thing, I think. I mean, less successful.
1: Yeah. Well, my best friend used to work at a big studio in L.A. and had a co-worker whose fiance had devastating brain cancer and this co-worker would always be like having to take off work or like take the husband to go to like Georgia for like chemo and stuff like that and then that all turned out to be fake and the husband like didn't have cancer at all and like had actually just a second family in Georgia and it was everyone was just like what the fuck so like People are doing this, but I'm also I don't I'm still like why I want to know like what inspires people to go down like the victim path of like perpetual victim identity milking versus like just fucking fraudulently scamming people for money.
2: I think I'm of the belief that you'll never know. There's maybe no reason other than just like
1: there's a reason there's some sort of there has to be like a psychological makeup because you look at some people and they're varying paths of scamming. But like this is next it's next it's another it's another level that i don't think is like fully explored
2: well i also think that there's a lot of people in hollywood especially like i'm sure there's other writers who've lied their way into rooms you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i think people not probably to this degree but i i'm sure people have like told fibs to like get feel like they're more catered to a room
1: yeah it's a way of marketing yourself
2: when i was reading her thing i was like some good tips for getting
1: staffed in here. Get cancer. Get cancer. But like, that <laughs> isn't even Munchausen because it wasn't like she was making herself sick. She was just pretending to be sick. Like Munchausen's yeah. you actually like ill or you're making someone ill, but it's not like... Right. It's not what it actually, you're representing it to be. It's camp.
2: The bandage, the port thing is camp.
1: A dirty bandage. <gasps> also... <Ew. laughs> I have questions, and I need a part three, well, and I won't rest. Get to it. Hop Anyways,
2: to it. <laughs> damn, that was guys. A, a type that 40. was
1: a tight forty-five on old Finchy.
2: Finchy, but let's get into the other girls. Yeah, I'm Carrie.
1: I'm Lara, and
2: you're listening to
1: sexy, unique, unique podcasts.
2: Midwives.
1: Midwives.
2: Ratgate continues. Speaking of rats and scammers, Junior, his stench is
1: Ooh, honey.
2: hanging high over this over the island.
1: He has made waves in all of the land, except he also really hasn't. And everyone's like, just feels bad. Like this episode was a real flop of an episode. It was. This season suffers from the highest highs, and then anything that's not matching that energy just becomes like mid-slash-reads as low because you go, like, you have these spikes in, like, insanity and then it's just not consistent levels. They're learning... They're still getting their footing.
2: Not enough mib, too much mob. Mm Mm-hmm. Renee is just crying. She's
1: back on the couch.
2: (laughs) She's back in couch psychosis. Junior moved...
1: Also, what's crazy is he moved this couch into her house when he moved in. Yeah. So he literally physically brought her to a place of couch <laughs> and then emotionally brought her there beware of anyone that brings in a beautiful couch into your life
2: renee's also in a place of socks this episode
1: oh yeah and a place of like a tiny stuffed animal yeah she's gotten a stuffed animal on the couch which is when you know you're in Regressing. dire straits she goes you selfish no good evil fucking rat bastard <laughs> Ange is in her sister Janine's beautiful clothing store. I learned a lot about Janine while reading Ange's she's book.
2: Kind of, I feel like she's Ange's sort of like caretaker.
1: Yeah, she's her right hand girl. She's there with her through everything. She goes to like all her doctor's appointments with her and like she's her ride or die.
2: Her Instagram, I looked at it recently. It's Janine. It's really sad. She just posts pictures of Ange talking about how much she misses
0: her.
1: It's so sad. And comes in, she goes, did you see the post today?
0: Did you see the post today? And she goes, I guess Junior was cheating on Renee, but with the
1: Feds. Rats. I hate them. Rats. She hates, hates rats. Oh, yeah. Her tattoo, Omerta, means never rat loyalty.
2: And then. Renee heads back to the kitchen island and cries and becomes island-y. island gal again. <laughs> <laughs> she, she puts, she clasps her hands together and puts her forehead on her hands like she's praying to the gods and she begins to cry, cry. And we get a flashback of like all her moments with Junior this season and they have reverb on everything they say. So it just echoes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to come, come, come
1: home, home, home. Should we do some more highlights from Big Ange's book? Sure. Because I finished it. I'm still on Finch. It makes me like, am I a pathological liar? Carrie. I know. (laughs) I mean, I fucking hope not.
2: (laughs) I'm like, what? No, but you know when you read this stuff and you're like, god damn. Like, what if... No,
1: I never... um, you read that and you're like, what if that's me? No,
2: I just like <laughs> sometimes I over identify with like what I'm reading and I'm like, I'm imagining like, God, can you imagine being in her position and how fucking insane that would be? And like,
1: I can't because I just would never like I could imagine maybe being in a position. my Just my scam. My scam would always be like aiming higher or trying to like get money like it would never be. Um, but this is also, like, my personality is just such that, like, it's really difficult for me to ask for help or support. Same. So, basing any sort of scam that is completely dependent on asking for a lot of help and support for- from others ain't gonna happen.
2: I'm also, like, I I would be having diarrhea all the time. Yeah. I have a re- I, you know, I, like I can't— It's tenuous. I can't— <laughs> No, but I can't, like— Lying for me is very hard. (laughs) Like, I get get really, like, freaked out, and I have to, like, constantly, like, anyway.
1: No, I mean, I'm also, like, not a liar or, like, a thief. Like, that stresses me out, and, like, just being honest is the better way. Being
2: honest is hard enough.
1: It's hard enough. It's hard. But like I can't like also lying is so complicated. Like who can keep track? Like that takes takes so much energy that it's like what the your entire like I would not want my entire life to become about just keeping track of my lies because that would just like suck the joy out of every other thing in my life.
2: I wonder if she had like a storyboard.
1: Like this is I'm saying like we need now I need like the actual inside scoop on like what the fuck is going on with you? And like, what does what is your life like when your whole life is a lie? Yeah. Like, what do you do at the end of the day? Like, you just sit around and you're like, well, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait. Back to...
2: Big Ange excerpts. Big
1: Ange excerpts. Okay. So, Big Ange was selling blow and weed out of her bar and that's why she got nabbed. And I that's been why going her friend her. ratted on her.
2: I would have been, she would have been my plug.
1: <laughs> I wonder if she got good blow. Probably. I think she was always on a lot of blow.
2: I would have, you don't understand. Like, Would
1: you go back in time
2: and do blow and with do
1: blow with Big Ang. Fuck yeah! What if if Big Ang came back?
2: Would I break and do would blow? Would you
1: break for one night? No. Or, and you could. And the ever if you if you got a pass and it was like you can break for one night only and you won't like get addicted again. Would you break for one? Night? That's a Very rude question. Sorry for that, but uh, I was wondering, would you break it? It'd be hard because <laughs> would then you I would
2: break for five. <laughs> big nearly six years of sobriety. Would I, you
1: destroy everything you've worked uh, so hard to establish to do a fat rail with? No,
2: maybe. Okay, cool. If I, because <laughs> I know myself, and I'd want to do it again. With, no, I specifically know. with BA, I'd be like me and you.
1: You gotta stay alive, lady.
2: <laughs> but if I if I was not if I had gone back to my non sober self, I would have been all up in the drunken monkey. <laughs> buying baggies
0: from slamming your on the
1: bar. Okay. <laughs> okay, read. Highlight page 130.
0: I'm a godmother of six kids. It's kind of ridiculous that I'd be anyone's spiritual leader. <laughs> when I go to church, my brain goes numb. I sit there for hours and when I walk out, I can't even remember being there. It's like God gave me a noogie. So instead of concerning myself with my godchildren's fate, I walk under fashion.
1: And then it has a quote from Janine. That just says, Ange is a spiritual leader? I'm scared.
2: <laughs> I love her.
1: I love Janine. This episode kind of sucked. So I feel like we could... Let's just we talk about Big We could Ang. do Ange and then we can like give the basics yeah. of
2: the app. I mean, truly, the only thing you need to know about this episode is that Drita considers becoming Million Dollar Baby <laughs> and then is set up for a boxing match with her trainer who's really invested in her. And I was hoping that they would kind of have an affair and like,
1: I just really thought I was like, oh my god, Drita's gonna like have a boxing match. This is great. Like she could kill it. Like she spars with someone, but I mean, her style of fighting is very like Street Fighter.
2: Well, she says I, this was hard for me because I I don't follow rules when I fight.
1: No, and you can tell, like, as soon as she starts getting punched, she just goes into fucking whale beast mode.
2: So she decides for her daughter's benefit that she doesn't want to be a fighter, which I get. She's, gonna, she's just going to do it as exercise.
1: Yeah, but I'm like, this is a not a storyline. You can't, like, tee something up only to be like, well, I'm not going to do it.
2: And the trainer, the boxing trainer, also has, like, you can almost see a tear in his eye.
1: He's very disappointed.
2: But basically, it's just like Renee sobbing and
1: screaming and screaming about Junior. And b- b- being like, I'm back packing Junior stuff finally. And
2: she finally takes a shower and looks great in that scene. Oh, yeah. Her makeup she, looks good. Her hair looks good. She did take a shower. I was like, fresh, fresh, good. Karen
1: is glowing. Karen's glowier than ever, of course, because as Renee's <laughs> mental health declines, Karen's glow just like builds.
2: And then Carla and Renee are going to have beef.
1: The girl called Carla is running her goddamn mouth.
2: Carla's running around all the towns talking about <laughs> talking about how Renee is just like bipolar and that Junior was never good for her and that this is maybe good that she doesn't have him, which she's...
1: That she's not wrong. She's not wrong. And but then... the girl called Carla needs to... The girl called Carla also the room. says... She like says something that I'm like, I don't think she meant it this way, but there's... Knowing these ladies, the only way they'll take it is poorly. And she's like, I mean, Junior came back and Renee said he was acting all weird and stuff, like makes me think like maybe she knew something was going on. Which I think it just means like she knew something was weird with him. Well, she said
2: Renee apparently said to Carla a few times, like, I feel like something is up with Junior. He's acting strangely. And then there were other people who Carla will not name, of course, uh, who commented that Junior was up to something. So, like, I think there was some small, like, flicker of knowledge from Renee. She she said it on the show to us. Yeah,
1: she knows that, like, something ain't right, but she's kind of just trying to push past that. She's very focused on just, like, being back with Junior. And I think that that's what Carla meant. I don't think she meant that she thought Renee knew that Junior was informing or, like, ratting. But But, now that she's oh. (laughs)
2: because <laughs> it's good Renee's going to take that as Ooh, being no, disloyal steamed
1: and like my favorite part is Carla has a fucking glass of shard sitting in a beauty salon just running a mouth and like
2: you know that's going to get back to Renee it's going to
1: get back to Renee and then Renee's take is like everyone's going to turn on me or her and Karen And like what happens is like everyone turns on you like ev- people smile to your face and talk shit behind your back And then someone takes the temperature and she goes, no one in town has talked shit on her. And Drita was like, yeah, everyone just says they feel bad.
2: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all
0: month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Muscal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones,
2: with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an
0: average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.
1: These women living like grandiose. Oh, yeah. Alternate realities. Finch. Karen, <laughs> they're finching. Hard. They're, they're
2: in a place of finch.
1: Yeah. Renee could finch. She's a little finchy. She's a
2: little finchy. But let's get back. Okay. But let's get that's, back to. That's like every. That's the run of the episode. That's it. Yeah. That's but all now I we're going to talk there. about. We need to talk Big about Ange. the
1: book of the century. I'm telling you, if you have not read Big Is <laughs> Beta by Big Ange, you Big need to go get it now. Okay. It will. Really enlighten you. It's a great book. It made me love her. I feel like I really got a sense of like her life. Batwoman. Philosophy means <laughs> Batwoman. Old COVID killers.
2: <laughs> Old chest. Big Old Ange, chest. big chest and <laughs> gimme one to read. Has my voice come back?
1: It's coming back, yeah. Someone said that I Ursula'd your big ish <laughs> voice. <laughs> Okay, her sister. So, one of Angie's, I think, downfalls in life, like Angie's, what I learned, incredibly generous. Like right. she's like, when fault. I get money, I spend it. I go out shopping, and then I buy, I treat all my friends. Like she's always buying gifts for her friends. Her whole philosophy is just like, spend your money, like don't save. Mm. Her financial philosophy is, I think, could use a little tweaking. Yeah, but. For her, I guess it worked out because she died, unfortunately, early. So like and she, you can't take it with you. So she lived large. Unless you're an ancient Egyptian taking treasure
2: into the afterlife.
1: Yeah. So her daughter says, mom and I always had different ways of seeing things. I'm like the mother and she's like the daughter. I think she's way too carefree. She doesn't take things seriously enough she's forgiving to her friends to a fault if she'd let too many people into our house they were always coming around to hang out for parties then we'd go on vacation come home and the place would be cleaned out we've been robbed 15 times all the jewelry gone a mink teddy bear gone the safe emptied when our houses were robbed Mom didn't lift a finger. She never tried to get anything back, even though she always knew exactly who did it. She didn't want to be a rat, and she felt sorry for the robbers. She figured if they were desperate enough to steal from a friend, and it's always a friend, because who else knows where the safe and the valuables are? They had to be in worse shape than she was. See what I mean? She's too forgiving.
2: Damn. Fifteen
1: times.
2: That's like pathological people-pleasing.
1: You're. Old, she's a bit of a people pleaser. I. She's think. codependent. Yeah, she said she can't be alone. She was always having parties. She's out all the time. Like I. That I think is like the shadow side of Ange. But I think also, to be as great and good as she was, also has to swing. The pendulum totally. has to swing back the other way.
2: Because that's also like you're not thinking about like your kids in that moment. <laughs>
1: No, forgiving. and I think her daughter, Raquel, was very much put in the position of like Caretaker. mom and like she was the adult.
2: They, it sounds like they had like an anything but here
0: kind of relationship.
1: Read the one at the top. My family calls me
0: the black widow. If you date me, you'll have a heart attack or phone to a terrible disease or crash on your motorcycle. <laughs> Jeez.
1: And then her friend told a story. That I was like, she's doing so much blow, it killed this man, but go ahead.
2: Herbie was a WWF wrestler and a former bouncer at Pastels. Ange and Jen decided to take him out to dinner and go drinking with him. He was a massive man, 400 pounds easily. They wound up partying all night with the guy. Ange gets home and goes to bed. An hour later, we get a phone call and Herbie was dead. He had a heart attack or something. That's why we call her the Black Widow. One night with her, this guy dropped dead. Too much... Angela's Coke is too good.
1: Yeah, it's way too good. (laughs) She is
0: pura. Pura. The marriage was a nightmare. It lasted less than a year. He was a bum. When I got him cheating for the last time, I tried to burn his house down by setting the couch on fire. I took a match to it. (sighs) The couch didn't go up in flames, though. It didn't exactly catch. I went through the whole book of matches one by one. No good. At worst, the cushion got singed. In hindsight, I should have led them all at the same time. I might have had better luck. Live and learn.
1: That was her first husband. She got married, I think at like eighteen or even maybe underage to a man was and then cheating? he was cheating. They're all cheats, she says. God damn it. This is how to cure a broken heart. Get a new man or a dog. Little Louis was my consolation prize after I threw Neil out the first time. Little Louie is cuter and smells better than any man. When he pukes on the floor, it's just a neat little puddle and easy to clean up. I don't think Louie is house trained.
2: Okay. I almost don't want to read this book because I don't want it to like... I don't want to...
1: (laughs) To sully your vision?
2: No, I just... Hearing about her, the shadow side of Anne's makes me really sad for her. Of being taken advantage of by people.
1: Well... It doesn't have too much of that. I okay. mean, that's like that's like what I Infer, gleaned right. and inferred just because like it is so positive and it is a celebration of her life and her personality and her like vibe. But as a critical thinker, I just couldn't help but wonder like what is not being said here. Obviously, like you're not gonna write a book, you're not gonna write this kind of book and be like, these are the most horrible parts of my personality in life. But I just was like, I'll bet that's kind of what was going on.
2: All I know is if I had been. I didn't
1: think of her any less of her after reading. No, no, I, loved I'm not, her I,
2: I don't think I would have thought less of her. I just like, I love her so much that I'm like, when I hear about the robbery, I'm like, where are they? I just know if I were her friend, if I were her Coke friend back then, no one would have messed with Big hands. Oh, you
1: guys would have taken the town. Yeah, she needed like a, gay. a really hardcore gay. Yeah. If you were her coke friend...
2: Her gay, her coke her gay. Her coke
1: gay, you would have been covered in tattoos a you would have gone full tat <laughs> I know. she would have convinced you would have at least gotten one i'd have no Ange had so many you would have be you would be covered i think and you would be as she says dieseled from going <laughs> to the gym this is her thing this is what she loves about wise guys she goes if they're not fat from too much cooking wise guys stay in shape with big guns they go to the gym to get dieseled throw in some sexy tattoos and i melt Okay, maybe that's not entirely true. He also has to be out of prison, taller than me, and have a lot of cash. Bonus points if he's not on crack and if his mother is dead. <laughs> Bonus points if his mother's dead. Girls know what you're looking for. Damn, Ann.
2: I get that. She would be. Ange would.
1: Too much for a mother. You can't have both.
2: No. You, you either
1: f- have Ange or you have your mother. Yeah.
2: If you, the minute you start dating Ange, your mother dies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: if the man I'm with wants to lavish me with gifts, I'm not going to insult him by saying no. Mob guys are generous. They shower women with presents. Over the years, they bought me beautiful furs, diamonds, cars, my precious Persian cats. One guy bought me houses. At one time, I owned four. If we were driving around and I said, ooh, I love that house, he'd pull into the driveway, walk up to the front door, ring the bell, and ask the owner, can I buy your house for my girlfriend? Sometimes the owners would do it. We once staked out a house for a year, a gorgeous bungalow on the beach, until the owner said, okay, you want it so bad, you can have it. Four Four houses. Four houses. Renee. (laughs) Hello, baby. Hello, my babies. So she says, I took it all, no hesitation, and said, thank you. But was always understood that although they bought me things, the men never owned me. They never even rented me. It was a close friendship with benefits. They benefited from my company, and I benefited from the generosity. So she was a sex worker. Yeah, she was like, and she says she wasn't the wife or the gumata. She was number three in line, which I guess is just like, you fucking suck and laugh. Yeah, And then
2: you get four houses? You get bungalows.
1: That's like the best thing I've ever heard.
2: She was in a place of bungalow.
1: <laughs> this story about her... Okay, so Ange is like last episode, she wore that beanie. Mm-hmm. Ange and Mr. X went to the track in Saratoga and won $50,000 betting on horses. On the ride home, she would fling her long Rasta braids over his head while he was driving. Kind of dangerous, but exciting. Mr. X cracked up every time. He kept saying, This is why I love her. That's from Janine. Who's Mr. X? It was like a a mob guy that she dated. I wonder who. I know.
2: Renee's dad. (laughs) I was thinking, what if, uh, for some reason I wrote down, what if Renee was Karen's mom? Because when she called Karen, she sounded like Renee.
1: She did sound like Renee. Okay, read Ange's advice for dating. It's the highlight. This is what, also, I really wanted to know what her, like, philosophies were around dating, and she gets very into them. Don't put out on the first date.
0: <laughs> if a woman has sex on the first date, I guarantee that man will never buy her a house. Should she ever see him again, it will be by accident, like at the gas station or the local bar, and it will be weird. If a woman has sex on the second date, that man will never buy her a car. He might treat her to dinner at the Greek diner on Wendy's, but more likely, he'll just call her a camp. If a woman waits until the third or fourth date, the man might one day buy her diamond jewelry. No bets on a ring. He will definitely take her out to a decent restaurant. It's possible that down the road, he'll want a monogamous relationship. In which case, I have one word. Run for your freaking life! <laughs> I never have sex with a guy until I know him for months. On the first ten dates, I say, pick me up in a nice car. Take me to a best restaurant. I'll order the most expensive food and the finest wine. Then you can pay for it. Take me home and drive away. Bye. Incredible. Genius.
1: Yeah. Genius level. That's what it does need to be. Unfortunately.
0: This is an all caps. Don't marry for love. Marry for pension.
1: That's what she said. She married Neil for his pension and his health insurance.
2: This is a quote from Renee. Hanging out with, with Ange is always a riot. We went to Atlantic city 15 years ago. I just gotten separated from my ex-husband and needed cheering up. We were drinking at a club. Ange could drink and drink and after five hours i quit she kept going she was straight up standing for one or she was standing straight up for one second and then she started to pitch forward passing out she fell over it and landed at a tilt like a seesaw (laughs) her boobs were so big she landed on a slant i'll never forget it (laughs) that's a good story (laughs) from renee
1: an anecdote from old renee She says, always have hot guys around. It's not a party without sexy men. I need some diesel guys to dance with and to move furniture around. Gay, straight, strangers, friends, cousins, whatever. Just show up and take your shirt off.
2: Hell yeah. That's
1: good advice.
2: I would have killed to go to Atlantic City with Big Ange. Because I used to go to Atlantic City and do a bunch of blow or Vyvanse. Yeah, you
1: could do AC style with Ange. This is what her friend Margot, friend and bartender, at the drunken monkey, had to say. The gays love her so much because she looks like a big transvestite on TV. She's tall and tan with a deep voice and the big boobs, big lips. The lighting and makeup make her look like a man in drag. But when they come in to meet her at the bar, they realize that's not the case. She's very feminine and pretty in real life. She's
2: beautiful. Stunning. Stunning woman. She possesses masculine and feminine energy at once. Mm -hmm. She's powerful
1: but she's divine feminine. Mm-hmm. Like that's the ultimate takeaway is that, and I think the way she was operating in life was through that divine femininity. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, well, a, I, I'm like, I think you were up to like a lot of illegal shit for yeah. money, but like fucking work. Hell yeah. We love to see it. And B, like, p- Guys buying you all that stuff, they, you're divine feminine. Yeah. You're rewarded. Like, the universe rewards that kind of energy. She's the goddess wherever of Wherever you decide to put it into. Like, it doesn't, it's not just, like, oh, with sex work or whatever. I think that that's, like, very much, like, creation. Like, you can channel it in any which way. She's
2: Dionysus. Mm-hmm. She's the goddess of, like, debauchery. <laughs> She's Marianne in True Blood. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember
1: was she the one with the black eyes yeah she's the one who like
2: made everyone have orgies and like, yeah and
1: everyone's <laughs> eyes went black and then yeah. they just like sucked and fucked <laughs> yeah. yeah the charge was possession of cocaine I had 14 bags on it when they picked me up and selling drugs
2: damn
1: she was running coke
2: god I would have I would have gotten into her car driven around the block with her <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god here's this is her philosophy on funerals if someone i know dies i go to the funeral period i have to it's how i pay my respects to the deceased and the family for people i was close to i do the whole day funeral burial and a visit to their house later on for an acquaintance or a casual friend i just run in for two minutes long enough to show my face and say sorry for your loss kiss kiss and wave goodbye sometimes i go to the funeral parlor expecting to stay for 10 minutes and wind up staying for an hour Raquel thinks I'm OCD about going to every single funeral. She calls me a coffin chaser. Going to so many funerals is a major undertaking. No pun intended. (laughs) But I have a reputation for showing up to funerals. So now if I don't go, it's an insult.
2: Well, she put in the work because her funeral was a fucking New York holiday. It was. Basically, it was like. hundreds hundreds of people
1: everyone knew her she says like she people get told stories like they would go out to dinners with her like really nice dinners and then just ran like she has friends that said they never saw her pay for a single meal like she would just go out to a restaurant and then the tab would be taken care of by like a a table of guys or they'd get champagne sent over she would like she always was going out she her she was like A huge piece of advice was, like, don't sit at home. (laughs) Literally, I was like, fuck. She's like, don't sit at home and rot in front of the TV. You need to get out and about every night. You need to go out. I bet Big Ange has never watched a TV show. It wasn't her thing. She was out every night. Even in this, like, in this episode when she's saying, like, what people's reaction to Junior is, she goes... I mean, I haven't heard anyone say anything and I'm out ever all the time. And I was like, she is out all the time. she's She's either working or she's like going out on the town.
2: Yeah. She lived life. Maybe she knew, maybe there was a part of her that knew her time was short.
1: Well, it seemed like she was sick for a long time or like had awareness of like...
2: Her mortality. Yeah. I think sometimes people just have like a...
1: They're here for a good time, not a long time. Behind. Yeah, like,
2: they have a kernel of, like, true, they have a certain in, intuition, and they just, like, fucking tear it up.
1: Yeah. I think she was very, like, connected to herself. Yeah. Which.
2: It's rare for this. The
1: pit, like, the pitfalls definitely are, like, the over-accommodating or whatever, but I her attitude about everything was, like, if you give a lot away, you'll also get a lot back. Like she was tuned into some sort of like higher power type shit, and like I agree. really just knew herself. Like I feel like she was like a very a spirit that had been around time and time and time before. She's like late stage reincarnation, yeah, like close to enlightenment. She's enlightened. I honestly. agree.
2: No, I I think and I think like. Uh, Her funeral was. I mean, just from all the photos I've seen and the articles I've read, like it was a real, like you should see the like mobs of like hundreds, maybe like a thousand people. Like it was, it was like a it was like the Princess Diana of Staten Island. Wow! And there was was photos of of Drita, and they killed me.
1: And look at her beautiful casket. Oh, Drita. Renee Renee is serving. Renee was born to go to funerals.
2: Uh, Karen, wasn't. the family asked Karen not to come. Really? And they asked Renee not to come too, I think. Because of the the rat status.
1: Because of June. Oh, because people would be really pissed.
2: But Renee came anyway. (laughs) But Karen didn't come.
1: Good. I think Renee could come. People aren't going to fuck with her. Look at that. Wow. True queen shit. I mean, also, I think that Ange was like deeply connected and in the lifestyle herself, but also like was very respected because she would she refused to like rat on anyone. And
2: she was just generous. Like in season three, when Hurricane Sandy comes, Big Ange is like going to like shelters and cooking big ziti and pasta for everyone and like really taking care of because Staten Island got fucked up during Hurricane Sandy. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. And she really took care of people.
1: Look at this. I know. Her like gilded casket. They should honestly, they should have gotten that casket out and paraded it on the steps of the mech, Allah. It's gilded. It is. That is gilded glamour. Ugh. I love her. Someone from the New York
2: Times and her, eul- the eulogy or like the uh, write-up they wrote about her obituary. They said that she would have been Dali's muse. <laughs>
1: She was a muse. She was like Warholian. Mm-hmm. Like
2: she would have been at the Met Ball camp.
1: Mm-hmm. At funeral mass for Ange, the sacred and irreverent mingle. Ugh, I want a sacred and irreverent mingle at my funeral. Well, the book made me really miss her a lot. It I was know. just like it was like, wow, this person's star shined so brightly, and it was also the kind of thing where. She had said, like, by the time she was on TV, everyone in her life was just, like, so happy for her because they all just knew eventually she would be on TV. Like, she was too much of a character to not yeah. have her, like, star moment. And, like, I think she lived a really good life. She did. And she, lived the life that she wanted to.
2: She lived the life she wanted. She she touched everyone she met. Like, she everyone felt good when they were with her.
1: And it seemed like she had a really good relationship with her kids, like, yeah. despite
2: their issues. whatever
1: issues they might have had. Like, her parenting philosophy was, like, she was, like, if I was going to go on vacation, I'd always bring my kids. Like, I wanted them to know that I wanted to hang out with them and spend time with them. And, like, she would talk, she would sit <laughs> and, like, talk to them about their problems and just, like, listen and, like, let them know. Like, she never grounded them or anything. Like, and I really enjoyed her I like I really got a lot out of this book I c- just can't say enough good things about it the yeah. easy read too.
2: my dream is that if we ever did a show in New York again that she would come if she was still Back here if she was still around that she would come
1: I like want to do a seance and reach out to her let's do it okay All right.
2: well guys guys
1: re- it's been a long <laughs> been a
2: long journey I'm glad we talked about Miss Finch, but more importantly, B.A.
1: I know. I need more Finch detail.
2: Yeah. If anyone has any like any anyone know her or like anyone have there any, there has to
1: be part three. It just can't be like over now. I'm sure
2: now that they've the response that they've seen, I'm sure they'll do it. Th-
1: People are going nuts, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is like the new thing on mm. Twitter. Okay. Well. Well. Scammer's gonna scam Stay fucking true
2: Please stay true Don't
1: Please just stay true Don't lie You don't need to like The amount of energy it takes To deceive people And steal from people You can put that into other things And get just as much if not more
2: Yeah Exactly you like put honestly.
1: I'm telling you, if you have what it takes to like run a high level fucking scam, you have what it takes to do whatever you want.
2: Yeah, it takes to do the opposite.
1: Yeah, just like work. Get off your ass and fucking work.
0: Let us know. Bye.